This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Magnin. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeble. And our topic this week is... Reviewing Danganronpa Trigger Happy Avoc as a huge Phoenix Wright fan. That was fast. Yes, it was. <laughs> but first, I have some follow-up. Um, so, today's a big day in the mobile payments world. Luc Olivier, do you know what day it is? Um, I don't know. It's the day that Garmin Pay Suica goes live in Japan. Garmin Pay? Really? <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah, Garmin smartwatches starting today can use Suica. Um, this was pre-announced a couple months ago, I think. And um, from what I can see, the reviews are not great. Uh, one of the big <laughs> issues with Garmin Pay Suica is that uh, it doesn't support commuter passes. So if you have a regular commuter pass that your job makes available for you, that's not an option. Uh, the other thing I heard, but I haven't seen more details about, is apparently you have to use a passcode to actually get the thing to work. Uh, so you can't just like use Express Transit mode like on the Apple Watch. You have to literally type in a type uh, passcode, which sounds completely stupid and pointless. Uh, so it's kind of a dumb technology, but Apple finally has competition in Japan for watch mobile payments. So that's interesting. Um, no news on Octopus, uh, which we teased might have been coming with uh, 13.4. Well, now 13.5 is out, and it's still not out. Although, uh, there was a weird glitch in the Matrix the other day, and for 50, <laughs> for 45 minutes, you could add Octopus cards to your Apple Pay wallet, but it would crash in the wallet app. Uh, so, Uh-oh. something. Uh, uh, next up, uh, some follow-up about uh, machine learning. Uh, one of the VTubers from the Niji Sanji uh, VTuber network, uh, her name is Azura Cecilia. She played our game, Machine Learning, on stream. It was really cool. I woke up on a Monday and I spent the entire hour I usually have to get ready for work watching <laughs> her stream. It was real cool. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. If you are too lazy to play our game, you can at least watch a streamer play it and make comments about the game about how this feature is missing and this feature is missing and this feature is missing and it, each one was a dagger in my heart but it's oh, okay no. <laughs> it's, oh. it's okay after when i commented that we'd made the game in 72 hours she was like oh okay <laughs> uh next up is some follow-up to the uh, games that define us episode uh there has been news about two of our games uh that define us. So the first is Gran Turismo 7, which was briefly rumored and briefly Woo-hoo! no longer rumored. <laughs> so uh, there's a PlayStation licensee who makes racing cockpits, and they announced their new uh, their new model for this fall, and there was a Gran Turismo 7 logo in the announcement. And that was very exciting. Until they posted an update a couple hours later that said, oh yeah, our designers are stupid. And they just looked up the first uh, logo they could find on the internet. And they found this oh, fan-made Gran Turismo 7 logo. Oh no, We really? don't actually know anything about Gran Turismo 7. So that sucks. Uh, people were getting all excited that a proper Gran Turismo would be coming for PlayStation 5 launch. And I was rebudgeting my entire rest of my year to make that work but um luckily now i don't have to so that's good because there have been a lot of magic card related announcements today that are probably going to take that money instead uh the other big announcement wait a sec i'd like to quickly note that while i guess it, at this point it would make sense that if sony at some point they have some plans about the proper uh, like six plus one uh, release uh so Gran Turismo 7 let's call it this way um 
that it would make sense to be on the PS5, though I would be pretty sad that the only Gran Turismo we got on the PS4 is GT Sport. Uh, I would be sad, but I wouldn't be surprised. No, me too, but like I wish that we had like on the PS3 and the PS2 at least two games per generation. Like even on the PS1 too, yeah. Yeah. So eh. These games yeah. take so long to make nowadays that I'm like, I expect one a generation, and if they can jam into... Because, like, uh, Gran Turismo 6 was, like, the month before the PS4 came out, or around that timing. Uh, so it was quite late. And I recall they were, like, people were bitching that it was on PS3 and not on PS4, and they were like, you know, like, we still can do great things on the PS3, and I think I think Gran Turismo 6, while not my favorite, it's quite a great game and did show to those naysayers that they could do still great things at the end of the line, at the end of the run of the PS3 itself. Yeah, I was watching a retrospective review of the Gran Turismo series the other day, and the Gran Turismo 6 one was you could have literally just put this game on PS4, like ignoring the fact that the CPU architecture is completely different and therefore they probably couldn't have done it easily. like the review was basically saying like everyone wanted this on ps4 why didn't you just really just sit on ps4 it looks perfectly fine you would have gotten away with it and i'm like yeah but at the same time it's a really nice showcase of what ps3 can do uh and as someone who didn't have a ps4 yet it was a nice game to have uh so the other game that got news uh over the last week is tony hawk's pro skater 2 because uh tony hawk uh came out of hiding and said, we're remaking Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 again. Uh, so this is like the second and a half remake of, <laughs> of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Um, so the first one was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2X on the Xbox, the original Xbox. Then there was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD, which was like a mishmash of 1 and 2 uh, made by this terrible team who fucked up the physics completely and eventually went on to make Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, which is the most terrible game of all time. <laughs> and now they got the people who made the uh, Crash Bandicoot remasters to do this one. And they are using the original engine. They are just making it work on modern consoles. Um, so it's very promising compared to the past attempts. Well, 2X was good, but the past attempt on in HD consoles was quite terrible. So it, People are very excited about this one because they said all the right things and the gameplay footage we saw is very promising as well. Um, So that was pretty exciting. Uh, One of the notable things about this is, of course, all of the pro skaters that were in the original games have aged significantly since they originally were had their bodies captured for the game. And they're not going to use like PS1 textures on a PS4 game. Uh, so they actually remodeled all of the skaters, but at the current ages. So it's a bunch of like 50 year old men. (laughs) in the game instead of like these 25 year olds or whatever that's Uh, amazing yeah it's kind of amazing um and like uh jeff keely who usually does a lot of e3 coverage uh and the game awards is having this uh summer game fest thing which is like the the covid replacement for e3 basically where he live streams game announcements every couple days uh from the month of may to the month of august and this was like one of the first announcements for Summer Game Fest. And Tony Hawk kind of shot himself in the back by accidentally tweeting about it 15 minutes early before they got on stream. So everybody knew about it before the stream began. So that was kind Oopsie. of a fuck up. But that was funny. Uh, and one last bit about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Uh, completely by coincidence, uh, there is this YouTube channel called The Completionist, which does a bunch of game reviews under the angle of like 
is this game fun to beat 100%? And this is notable because he made one for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 and the timing kind of lined up perfectly because the announcement for uh, THPS 1 and 2 came out around the same time. And uh, Tony Hawk, I think yesterday was on the Joe Rogan podcast or something. So the the convergence of these events was perfect. Uh, and I just found it hilarious because he effectively had to re- redo my childhood in that entire video and play through the entire game with every character. And I did that twice. So there you go. Uh, there, If you're too lazy to do it yourself, which is a lot of time, uh, I don't blame you. You can go watch that video. And in like 15 minutes, you'll see uh, everything there is to see about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Uh, other notable thing is um, everybody knows that Tony Hawk's, uh, Tony Hawk's big signature move is the 900. Uh, he was the first one to land that rotation trick. Well, funny thing, if you add up all of the objectives you have to complete in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for each character, there are 900 objectives. And I had my bl- mind blown that <laughs> it lined up so well. Um, so yeah, all of that will be in the show notes. Uh, I think you had some follow-up too. Yes, I do. Uh, you could say that this whole episode is a follow-up on about the previous episode but i do have real previous episode follow-up uh so yes i played daganrapa we'll save that for later but uh i start to go through the list re-listening to the episode and kind of digest all of the uh recommendation that yannick gave me and i also bought one of the game that was not daganrapa one or two i did buy time hollow uh, as uh, you mentioned to me um Again, I think I did another episode saying, you know what, like, after, like, like really, like, uh, on the spot, talking about those games, seeing some screenshots, I was like, you know what? And even looking at how long to beat, as we discussed in great lengths, I was like, you know what, it's 10 hours, and it looks nice, so let's get it. And uh, it was expensive, as all the game you recommended. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but... Um, I was quite lucky because, as you said, for this one, most uh, Canadian listing, so just so that I can get it somewhat short in short time notice, uh, I looked at uh, listing on eBay that are from Canada, so that shipping is uh, less of an asshole, and they were around like 70 to even 90 Canadian dollars. But I did find one that was around $37, $38 plus taxes plus shipping because it's a Canadian store, not a person, uh, which ended up being around $50. I was like, "Mm, that's weird. But, you know, the the person has good reviews and blah, blah, blah. So I just took a bet. And guess what? The shop was, the place was from Montreal. So it was supposed to take a week to get here. It took a day. And the game works. I haven't started to play it, but I put it in my 3DS. It boots. There's even a save game on it, which I found it funny. So somebody used it and played through it. Uh, I, I got it. It's a box game. Uh, didn't came with manual, but came with a box. So I don't really care. But uh, I like that it came with a box. So I would say that this is an example of saying like, you know, I was saying like 20 to $40 would be that. The upper limit will be 50 I started to look at other games. Um, I think the last one I was looking last night was... Ghost, oh, I forgot last ghost, ghost trick. trick. Yes, ghost trick, and those are like a hundred Canadian dollars. I'm like, oh no, 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 that's too crazy for a DS game, even if it is. From what people say, seems to be a good game. So I wouldn't be surprised that later on, uh, maybe I have some proper follow up from Time Hollow. But I'm quite happy that I did 
uh, check one of those boxes already after two weeks, which it was to get one of those games. So now I just need to do part two and make sure that I play it. So then I'll be happy and already have one of my goals set for this year's game of the year episode is to have played at least one game from Yenix recommendation that was not Rumpa. Speaking of which, let's move into the main topic, which is so just to give you an idea, we recorded more or less two weeks ago. Uh, we tend to usually record on Thursdays, and we did. If I recall correctly, the Friday after, like, so the weekend before the release, I was already, like, I started my game and I was already playing. So, as mentioned in the last episode, I was super motivated. I was not even planning this this time around, this week, to have an episode already about one of the games I've played. But you'll see throughout the episode and you'll see throughout the past two weeks of my life as I've been playing this game, like, more or less during my free time. And I have lots of opinions about it. Mm. Um, so, and the main reason I wanted to bring it out is, A, it's fresh on my memory. And also, I don't want to influence uh, your, like, gaming decision. But you were considering this game. And I felt that since we were already talking about it, who knows, maybe you'll want to maybe uh, reconsider your priority list on that game. Whether it is going up or going down, I'll keep that as a teaser for just later in the show. So, now we'll start. I want to go a bit, uh, before I go a bit into the storyline that Yannick kind of entered at, but I want to go into a bit more details. There's one thing that is going to be different than our previous reviewing episodes. As I mentioned, Yannick might want to play this game, so I want to stay as spoiler-free as possible. Uh, you'll see there's one or two exceptions throughout this episode, which I will make sure to name, but they're not huge spoilers. Um, the other thing is... After, what, four, five, no, even six years without touching my Vita. Um, I do have opinions about the Vita. So let's start about opinions with the Vita. Sounds good to me. Yannick and I have been big like fans of the Vita. And I think it will be, at least for me, it will be fair to say that while I'm a big fan of the device, of the hardware in it, and kind of the possibility that it could come up with uh, let's say this device is not perfect and i would like to get your opinion on this because hopefully maybe that got was like resolved into the later generations of vitas because i have a ps your pch 1000 or i forgot the, the first yeah the, the first gen model yeah the, the first OLED gen display. model with the oled display which again uh Using an OLED display device day in day out with the iPhone, uh, and now switching with the DS, going back to the Vita was like, oh my goodness! Like I'm a big fan of uh, OLED display. My new TV, which at this point is quite old, but uh, is OLED. I'm a big fan of OLED and the uh, the pluses it brings, even if sometimes it has a couple of downsides. Um, one of the downsides with those Vita is it has kind of a, not a burning effect, but it's kind of a weird discoloration effect in the middle of the screen, which uh, Yannick told me that's all the first generation Vitas does this. So it's not, uh, I guess it's related to their use of OLED technologies in the Vita, but overall the uh, visual quality and the design of any games played is quite impressive compared to what was done on the on Nintendo DS. Uh, so that was a big plus and that was really nice to go back to Something that didn't feel out of place in 2020. 
uh, I did feel that even if Danganronpa is quite an old game, like it's built on a 2010 PSP game that it was adapted to the PS Vita and even the PS4, that the graphics and the changes they did for uh, visually for the VS Vita still hold up to this day. Of course, there's like a couple of like video sequences and video clips that then you see like okay it's a video clip in like 480p so it's not so great but it's less than 480p (laughs) oh really okay i was assuming it's 480p but i wouldn't be even surprised i think it's 360p oh wow okay okay it it shows my point is it shows um but overall even with the the game graphics like when it was going back to the like real-time game graphics i was like you know what? You could still consider those graphics to be good on a mobile device. Of course, with iPhones, with iPads, with a lot of our smartphones, uh, the Vita looks a bit weird, a bit old tech next to it. But again, I feel it, it compares uh, quite greatly. It's basically just a Retina PSP. Like That is literally the way you should think about it, is the hardware first of all like the specs of the vita are very similar to the ipad 3 which is hilarious um but uh the the actual display is the retina equivalent of a psp oh okay that i didn't know um what i'm about to say is like ipad 3 was a bad ipad because of the retina but again it was an ipad 2 with beefed up gpus and the ipad 2 was quite a a great ipad uh it had a long uh run because it was not I would say powerful, but it was quite a good device for its lifespan. So I'm not surprised it has the same kind of like powerfulness or well, same you're tech. also powering less pixels with it, which makes that it true. better relative to the size of the screen. Whereas exactly. the, that's kind of where it fell on its face with the iPad is like the resolution of the iPad was so high that it couldn't actually, it didn't make enough of a difference in performance to actually make up the gap. Yeah, no, those are totally valid points. And I think they are related to what i liked about the vita and it's still why i think it still holds up today as a more like modern like uh nl console modern put it in quote because at this point it's like nearly 10 years old what i realized after playing more or less around 25 to 30 hours of game with it in the last uh, two weeks is that its ergonomics are not the best ones oh yeah Especially, and of course, I'll bring it up that a lot of games that were ported either from the PSP or even uh, from console like PS3, PS2 to the Vita, they always try to make some gimmicks around them so that they use all the fun stuff that the Vita can offer, which is two touchscreens. So the first one is the, 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 the screen is a touchscreen, but also the back of the device is also a touch sensitive it's a touchpad, right? Because it's yep. only two buttons. So you kind of end up holding it really by the extremity, uh, the extreme section of it, where there's kind of two ovals, uh, where it's assumed that you put your fingers, but if you hold them and then try to put your your thumbs where the uh, either the D-pad or the joysticks are, you always end up being like with your thumbs crunch, and it's not really comfortable. Of course... You always want to hold it in a way that you don't really touch the back touch panel because you might trigger things accidentally. So you always end up like, especially some, like, NL is always good, like, you play on a sofa, play on the bed, and you always end up more or less like contortioning yourself to make sure that you hold it, and especially a game like Danganronpa, which is like 
more or less a visual novel. Sometimes there's moments you just need to read and hold it, but you might have to react. So you want to stay in a position ergonomically comfortable, but also ergonomic because there might be timing involved. And yeah, I always felt that that's where the Vita was a bit lacking, especially compared to the 3DS. Uh, the 3DS has a lot of gimmicks of its own with its two touch screen, with its two screen that the DS also had. And it felt that Nintendo really like hit the nail correctly with the ergonomics and even growing the devices. Like I don't use it too frequently, but I played a little bit with Tony's 3DS XL. And even by growing the devices and growing the screens and even adding a second joystick, which most of the game don't use because it sucks. But it always still felt ergonomically good. Compared to the Vita, it feels cramped. Uh, and again, I am a big fan of all the technology it packs. But the downside felt that a lot of things had to be cramped. Uh, and it could explain why the uh, second joystick on uh, on the 3DS, the, on the new 3DS, kind of sucks because it's it's hard to jump joy the joystick like if it were a normal like console controller so again the reason why i bring this up is because as a fan you could you could say oh i'll annoy this like life or but i feel it is important to know that yes while we love this console and while i love this console uh this console is not perfect and to me it is its biggest disadvantage to this day is the ergonomics, at least on the original one. I don't know if it's the same thing on the second generation of it, or they tweaked it a bit. That, but I, I don't think so because, like, with the back touch pad, it's still problematic. We'll still run into well, the same issues. I don't actually agree that it's that much of an issue if you touch the rear pad most of the time. Anyway, like most games, it's like in a dedicated section of the thing. The one place where it does actually come up is in remote play. Uh, if you're playing mm. remote play. Uh, that's where you put like the R2 and L2, or I guess it's technically flipped. Uh, L1 and R1 are on the back touchpad on each half of the touchpad. And if you accidentally leave your fingers there, you can get accidental input, which is not what you want. But for most Vita games, like I don't think there's much of an issue to just hold it however is most comfortable. Um, I've had like issues with both the first gen Vita and the PSP 3000 where like my hands just randomly go numb while I'm playing but I've also had that on DS and 3DS in the past too so it's not like it's a Sony problem mm-hmm. um, it's just a handheld design problem and I feel like it's significantly better on PSP uh, not PSP Vita 2000 uh, the the second generation Vita with that with the IPS display I feel like it's much better just because it's a slimmer device and I don't know it's it's less chunky so there's less like hard pressing on your hands than uh, the Vita which is what usually makes my hands go numb um, so yeah, I and- think it's ergonomically superior but it's like there are definitely compromises made to make things in a handheld form factor for sure and it, let's say it, like because like I I own the three most recents, uh, not all the 3DS gen, but like the three most recents NL consoles, so the Switch, the 3DS, and the Vita. And if I were to scale them to uh, my comfort level, the way I really, like if I were to spend hours playing a game, I would, my 3DS XL will top it. 
then it would be the Vita, and for the Nintendo Switch, it would be the last one. Like sometimes, especially as a programmer or as somebody that spent too much time in front of a computer, uh, I would like get wrist pains just playing maybe an hour or two of uh, Nintendo Switch. So sometimes that's why I did. Like especially in the past um, month or two, while playing uh, Animal Crossing, I would put my iPad on my chest. I imagine I'm on the bed. And I put the iPad on my chest and I would use the kickstand and then just use the Joy-Con and each and detach. Yeah, and yeah. that was amazing because like sometimes it depends day to day. But I felt that if I had a lot of games, I want to like play a lot of it in like, a rare uh, in a short amount of time. Uh, the Nintendo Switch for me is the least comfortable and the, I would say the least ergonomic because I do feel it's ergonomic. But I feel the fact that it's a wide device ends up being like kind of like wrist in the wrong place and it actually kind of benefits not benefits because it's not ergonomic but it's weird arrangement means that it gives you more flexibility for how you want to play it exactly and again uh because these days i use the normal switch and tony's on the switch light i haven't used too much the switch light uh so your mileage may vary and i wouldn't be surprised that because the device is a bit slimmer kind of a not too big, but a bit bigger than a, like twenty percent bigger PS Vita. That maybe a, a this one will be closer to what I experienced. It's a chunky Vita, Vita two thousand. Hmm. Fair point. Okay, so that was my last note about the PS Vita. Again, I that won't stop me playing some more of those games that were suggested by Nick that are on that, and maybe even visit some of the titles I have and some titles I downloaded throughout uh, the PS and Plus system. Uh, oh, excuse me, program. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised that I visit some of PS Vita's games that I currently own or even buy some in the next few months. So now let's fully move into the Danganronpa review. Again, the precursor, one of the main reasons Yannick recommended and the, one of the main reasons why I bought those games years ago is everybody was saying, like, you love Phoenix Wright. Everybody, lo- everybody that loves Phoenix Wright, when they try to use Danganronpa, they love it too. So you should put that on your list of games to play at some point. Um, there's two things I want to focus. This episode is about the gameplay and uh, storyline a bit because I want to talk about the character, but the gameplay and more or less the characters. Because in a type of game like Phoenix, right, like an adv- action adventure game like action puzzles, a lot if is put on the story and the characters and i feel that that's what will make you like or dislike the game and the other thing is of course the gameplay because uh while it's reading text it's reading text of course it's like you press a and then you press x and you just read but when you have to interact with the puzzles when you interact with the investigations in like in those two games uh they have to use the uh the pluses of each of their nl consoles in different ways and to make it a proper like a really good gaming experience and those two games do it quite differently so first uh storyline so i'll start a bit from what Yannick said in the past episode so you're playing the role or you're like controlling uh a teenager i don't think they ever mentioned the age of those people but they're like high school teenage years so you are uh makoto naegi uh, who was recently accepted as a new student to the prestigious Ops Peak Academy. And one of the big things about this academy is it only accepts the best of the best in Japan. This, Of course, this takes place in Japan. We don't really know where in Japan, but in Japan. Uh, and each of those P 
people, students that get accepted, it's really because they're the ultimate. They call it the ultimate in their thing. Uh, but sadly for you, uh, or good for you, uh, you are just a normal person and you were accepted as the ultimate lucky student because every year they always choose at random somebody that gets in that are from the quote-unquote normal population. So on the first day, uh, you go to the school and you quickly realize that the school is not what it says. Uh, you discover a strange bear robot character named Monokuma that is the uh, end master of the school, which explains that you are sadly enrolled into a quote-unquote game. And that's where uh, we discussed last week that the game is you're stuck forever in the school, uh, you cannot exit it, you're stuck there, and either everybody agrees to be stuck there forever, or somebody wants to graduate. And to graduate, you need to kill another student and get away with it. Of course... When the murder happens, there's a class trial, and the group has to figure out who did the murder, and if they're right, the person gets executed or punished, as they say in the game. If they uh, if they f- don't find the right person, they uh, all get executed, and that person, the murderer, will finally graduate. With that weird setting, you, one of the first questions is... How did they know who is the real murderer? Of course, Monokuma is kind of like controlling the whole school as camera in all the places. So uh, it knows, they know uh, who did what. And while they don't really interact too much uh, in the school trials, they like they know at the end who did what. You also realize in your first day that there's other, like there's 14 other people with you. And I'll go through them just to give you an idea. So, uh, like the all all of those ability people is are have those like I said those ultimate skills uh, as they say. So you have Puyakuya uh, Togami, the ultimate Alpha prodigy. You'll see quite quickly throughout the story that this guy is just an asshole. He's like really loves himself. He's always better than everybody. Uh, he's kind of the, uh, the I guess the only son of this big Togami family, and he'll like get their like I I, I don't know their businesses or something. So. Really loves himself and thinks so much of himself. Uh, you have a Toyo Fukamoa. Oh my goodness, I'm, try- I'm practicing my Japanese uh, today. Uh, ultimate riding prodigy. You have Aoi Sashiena. Ultimate swinging pro. A swimming pro, excuse me. Oh, that that changes a lot of things. Yes, swimming. Not, uh, yes, not swimming. Like in the pool. Yes. Uh, Yashuiro Hagakule. Uh, ultimate clairvoyant. This guy is super dumb. Like he's always think. It's funny because he always makes out of reference about like kind of uh, psychic things and other like sci-fi stuff and say that the sci-fi stuff is stupid. But clairvoy- clairvoyancy is always good, which is always funny. But he's kind of like naive and dumb type of character. Uh, Sayaka Mezono, who's the uh, ultimate pop sensation. Leon Kuwata, the ultimate baseball star, baseball star. Shihiro uh, Fujisaki, the ultimate programmer. Uh, Mondo Owada, the ultimate biker gang leader. And I'm sure just when I give you those, like, all, what are their ultimate skills, you can already start to draw who they are. I'm sure, like, because you'll see quite quickly, they're kind of stereotypically what they fit in uh, as their uh, role. Uh, Kiyoko Yo. 
Taka uh, Ishumaru, uh, the ultimate moral compass. So this guy is always a bit uh, making sure that every morning every student wakes up at the right time, uh, making sure that we have a meaning and all of, uh, that type of moral compassness. Uh, the last four ones are Ifumi Yamada, the ultimate fanfic creator. Of course, this guy is a creep uh, because you know, he's a bit weird with lady uh, colleagues uh, from school. And that's kind of a bit too stereotypical again. Uh, Celestia Ludenberg, the ultimate glamber, which, as you might guess, if she's good as a gambling, she's also good at lying. Uh, Sakura Ogami, who's the ultimate martial artist, and last but not least, Junko Inoshima, with, who's the ultimate fan, fashionista. So the first day really starts with like meeting all of those people and be like, oh my fucking god, I'm the long, the, the only normal student. Why the fuck am I here? I know I got lucky and got in, but like that's quite weird. But those people are so lucky big. in quotes. <laughs> yes, lucky in quotes. But again, you quickly discover and. The, the the school life really starts at like you start to learn who they are but what person i start to realize is there's literally 15 people right so it's a bit hard to like start to learn who they are and maybe kind of build relationship because that's all part of your day-to-day life is uh there's kind of a social uh sim aspect to this game uh, but more on that because I have a lot of opinion regarding that. So you really need to go to talk to those people, spend some time with them, uh, maybe give you skills and like social points, all the fun stuff that I don't want to like spoil your future segment on that. But it's interesting that like in this case you're sort of introduced to all of them at once, whereas in something like a Persona game which shares a lot of elements with this, you maybe meet like your first two friends in the first hour of the game and then gradually over the next 80 hours you'll open up like the rest of the 10 to 15 people you know throughout the rest of the game and so you're never overwhelmed by the amount of characters that you have to interact with at a given time you're at most per like chapter of the game introduced to two new people each time so it's really like an easy learning curve and over time you become like friends by being more familiar with those characters uh just because you're exposed to them for longer and longer periods of time. I totally agree. And that is related to one of the points I was about to go there. So that's why it's a really connected. Great transition. Um, the fact that they all introduced at all at the same time, it's really hard to like know who you should, I guess, like, uh, who you should interact in the first few hours. Of course, the story s- somewhat picks up. But uh, you still don't know because, again, there's a social similar aspect who you should max out first, right? There's always this sentiment uh, on that. And this kind of reminds me because recently we're watching a lot of TV and like the fact that you introduce with all those people at the same time is overwhelming. It's also all to find who you find charismatic as a character, and the best correlation I can give you is these days we're watching a lot of reality TV, mainly RuPaul's Drag Race. And when they introduce all the drag queens at the beginning, it's like, okay, mm, there's a lot of people. I'm not sure who I would like this year or this season. And slowly but surely, because every week somebody gets booted of the show, you end up with a lot of people that goes through all those weeks. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I like this person, this person I don't like. Or like you feel, you really figure out who you like their personality and in the end i think that's it slowly but surely happens 
Um, but you do have a point where like, oh, I wish I could maybe like, that was not that person that somewhat dies. Uh, but uh, about that aspect, if you want to explore that, there's uh, something I can discuss uh, later in the show. Yeah, it's funny you make the parallel with reality TV because like, apart from Terrace House, which I think a couple people listening to this might be familiar with, reality tv is it like a huge thing in japan so i don't know if like this is these kinds of games is how they get their like reality tv fix instead of like watching reality tv like we do it could be because again the other point i find a bit not sad but i feel that um the uh, characters also it's quote-unquote a short game compared to something like uh, personal four where they can explore the, the characters definitely if you beat it in a week <laughs> uh, right right so again i am I spent a lot of time on it, but for sure, I think the estimate was 25, 30, 25 to 35 hours, depending also if you do a lot of more like post-game stuff. Uh, those characters are like what I could call stereotypically Japanese anime type of characters, right? Yeah. They're kind of like, like the uh, biker gang leader. He should be like strong and mean and he yells all the time and swears all the time. Again, I said the fanfic creator is kind of this like chubby guy that is quite creepy with the ladies and I want to go in the bath, the bath sec room with them. Um, but there's also like, uh, there's also a couple of one that are, uh, just funny weird. Uh, Sakura, which is the ultimate martial artist, uh, She's like really shaped and everything because she's a martial artist expert, but she is a lady, of course. Uh, and uh, there's a couple of jokes about like, oh, that, that, that like huge person is a, a lady. It's like they're a bit afraid of her too, but she's one of the more, uh, the more lovable characters throughout this. Uh, some of them are like, again, more playing the dumb people. So again, it's easy to put relationship or not put relationship, but like connect them to some typical characters you've seen in other shows, some other typical characters you might see in real people in real TV too. So I started the game, I was like, I was a bit lost with a lot of this. But of course, uh, the game brings you to a point and that is spoiler bit number one, but it's not too bad because it's the first chapter and you realize quite quickly that you quickly discover that you know somebody, uh, that a Sayaka the up to ultimate pop sensation you went i guess in elementary school if that's the uh, proper equivalent name for the japanese system that you and her went together to school before and they kind of like you grew, not grew apart but like she was another class and you kind of know each other just by face but again you say oh maybe i know her so I'll, of course like the, the game kind of incentivized oh yes i'll start to maybe like spend more time with her and then boom she's dead she's the first victim and that's where slowly but surely you kind of realize that, okay, no, the, the game has a fast pace, but not really. Um, which brings me to a point that uh, we discussed in a past episode, which was, A, a lot of people are saying that this game compared to Phoenix Wright is fast paced, but it still only has six chapters. You would have assumed like, yes, it's kind of like the reality TV kind of mindset where Every quote unquote week, somebody dies, then somebody did the crime. So you find a, de- a victim and then you kick something out. So after, let's say, so it's 15 divided, so 14 divided by seven, by two, seven. So six, seven, yes, you realize that 
it's more like this it's chapters and inside the chapters themselves there's less repetition uh of course in phoenix right the trials could take two days so there's less of that it's really the fast pace is really like you are uh, in free mode so in class mode daily i think they, they call it daily live and deadly live which is uh free mode was more like the social uh simulator aspect which i don't know what it brings to the story to be honest uh well uh, again I don't want to go too much in story details, uh, but you quickly realize that something out like outside of this game happening in the school or this like you being stuck in this weird game, uh, you realize that there's a story around this school that your classmate might be related with, and that's more or less the the, the plot, not plot twist, but the plot line of this whole story is. Maybe there's some kind of history that we don't know about, but that all the characters are related to. And I won't say more. So that aspect to me kind of like pulled me there and kind of let me ignore that aspect of like a lot of characters. I need to like learn them a lot and made me move through that. Of course, um, all the six chapters are more or less like this. Like there's free mode and a bit of storyline. Then you also have, in most of them, two days, so four periods, so morning, evening, uh, morning, like a.m., p.m., a.m., p.m., where you could go and like do social simulation and make sure that you can gain skills. So the the social simulation when you spend time with your with your friends and your student friends is you learn a little bit more about them, and also the way of doing that is to unlock either social points or skills. Those are useful when you go in class trial mode. Um, and those gives you more uh, advantages and we'll go to it when I speak about the gameplay. But uh, again, I felt, uh, to be honest, I don't really try if you could skip that part, uh, which maybe I should have, uh, because in theory, every time you start those free mode, uh, like this free mode sections you always start in your room and there's a bed in your room and never really click on the bed at that time but i don't <laughs> think you can really skip it from what i can gather so it feels that the like once a murder is discovered a victim murder victim is discovered it's really like okay somebody has been discovered you have more or less i don't really mention it but like i would say like one to three fake hours meaning that's like the action could if it were to take place in real time it would take maybe like one to two hours one to three hours and you have to gather as much as evidence as you can to then go in class trial and make sure that you find the right murderer so that aspect is quite is quite fun you move around the school you need to go investigate portions uh and that is typical like you move around you you select element in the scenes you find clues those clues get transformed into uh through bullets which will uh gather when we go to class trial um, and the idea is you need to figure out all those truth bullets to be ready to go to uh, class trial. And that part I really enjoyed. Like, I don't think I'm slowly but surely moving away from characters and moving to gameplay and game mechanics. Uh, I don't feel there was too much problematic, like too much. I felt that uh, the way it was set up was good for this kind of fast-paced action. You need to go this, that, that, that. And what, everything, once you have everything, like the the game stops more or less and it's like, Okay, now we're ready for class trial. Like, uh, what? Already? <laughs> like, there's no way for me to explore small things or talk to more. No, no. Like, 
you've got you figured out everything we move to class trial now let's talk about class trial the main issue i figured out i didn't really like about class trial which in theory as a big fan of phoenix right that's the part you should love the most right it's like the it should be the action-packed section which it is but what i figure out is there's so much game mechanics in class trial that at least on the vita it was hard to execute a lot of them uh, when you start the game you can select either if you like it's like easy normal hard so i put it in normal right it's a new game don't really know where i should put myself i always like to put myself in the middle and that's it but a trial is composed into four sec i would say four sections but there's four elements or four gameplays there's the non-stop debate so it's again it's more like the way the uh, class trial is set up is a circle so all the, the students are staying up in a circle and you can imagine it's more like a, like i say a sentence and, and it completes me and then so it's there's no like interruption so that's why there's this fast speed comes from this non-stop debate uh, and while you read the text there's some element of uh, the statement so some words or some f- key few words of a statement that are highlighted in yellow and those are the uh, elements that you can attack in two ways and what i mean by attack is those truth bullets the the the, the truth bullet that you figured out doing investigation you can use them or you can use another yellow statement to attack a contradiction so if two statements are contradicted to themselves you can attack them to uh more or less do an objection if we were talking about the phoenix right in um for that again uh the game compared to phoenix right is helping you because uh in each small segment of the non-stop debate uh, it would allow you to load your true gun because yes you're firing your true gun with your true bullet and it doesn't allow you to f- like in some section i guess it was because i was playing a normal and subsequent it was only lo- allowing me to load one true bullet in some other section it was three and throughout the last chapter it went up to five so at first i did fail that those debates were quite easy to do because there's one truth bullet you just need to find the right statement uh the right statement that makes no sense and usually it's like you do one read and it was done compared to what i felt in most chapters in phoenix right is there's always a couple of like statements or passage in the like the Accuse the 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 not the accuser statement testimony. That thank you the testimonies. Uh, but I was looking about testimony works. Uh, Cross examination. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you look at it, it's like oh, but it could be this or that, or it could be like a couple of things. So you have to figure out what are those things. Uh, some and it means that right now, like Danganronpa uh, in the debate mode, kind of helps you on that. Uh, so okay that's fair uh the truth gun also can be interrupted by other statements so imagine you have like text and they use the screen to so you have a, a aim and you have your white text that has some words in yellow and you also have like pink statements crossing about so it's like by chat let's say you like as I mentioned, you're in a circle and a lot of people are talking. So one person may be talking about like, I may be complaining about what they say. So as that, uh, I need to get rid of that. And to get rid of that is that is where the back screen, the back touchpad comes in is 
uh, either you tap on the screen or uh, or use the back trackpad or a lot of those mechanics whether it's a truth bullet or those like kind of like on like on useless statements they have multiple ways of acting on it mainly because it's a psp game right so it, when it was a psp game it had joysticks and buttons one joystick <laughs> oh that's true one joystick yeah that's true but but again you could use the joystick yes, to aim can. on the screen and then use one button to fire a true gun or you fire you fire a different bullet that just like get rid of the statement and by getting rid of those statements you add more points to the timer so two things i realized is those were really some in sometimes in key moments they were hard to hit the right statement with the right bullet and to me it slows down the fact that it should be fast paced i'm like okay yes you on purpose put random chat so i first try to get rid of the random chat and then fire my truth bullet and now i'm playing a, a rhythm game and i'm like that's not the purpose of this game in my book and my and this purpose is like i figured like i did the detective work did like the logic work to figure out which statement goes with which truth bullet just let me do that thing don't interrupt me and that was so infuriating that even if you should have let's say like 10 minutes to figure out what's the problem in one statement First of all, 10 minutes in most cases were always too much that I had multiple times been be like, okay, I press O to fast forward to the fucking sentence I want to override and then try to do my action. Oh, crap, I missed it. Okay, press O, do it again. Wait to the appropriate statement. Try it again. Oh, crap, I missed it. Just because it was more like rhythm mechanics than figuring out the logic and just say objection like in Phoenix Wright. Yeah. And, and that always... Uh, kind of threw me out of this non-stop debate. Uh, in some moments when you raise those objections, let's call it them, let's call it this way, uh, you would run into two things. So the Engsman Gambit or the bull, uh, the bullet time battle. So at some point you reply to somebody and then the conversation goes on and they're like, Oh, I know what's the, I know what I need to, I need to bring up, not as a truth bullet, but as a concept. And then you just play an Engsman game like, Oh, I, like they were super easy. Like something, it's like oh, uh, the word is watch. I forgot that it could be even an example. So there's the W, and then you need to find A and a T. I'm like, why should I spend time doing those <laughs> stupid things? I'm actually curious how they did that in Japanese because Hangman doesn't really exist in Japanese, as far as I know. Huh. Interesting. I mean, there's no, there's technically no reason it couldn't exist, but it's like it's not something you see very often, if at all. Fair point. Uh, I did feel it was useless. Like, literally, sometimes you you do have to choose like three three or four statements. Like let's say let's say, oh, um, you're referring to this. Oh, but I won't tell. Like no, let me correct that. Uh, sometimes when you exchange with those characters, you raise objection. Then another player, another character will tell you, oh, but you know what you should, what I'm referring to. And they don't tell you what they're referring to, but your job is to select from a list of like three things what you should refer to, what they're referring to. Let's say they're talking about the watch again and say, you know what I'm referring to that will contradict what you said. And they're like, okay, yes. And you have to choose. It feels that those, uh, Engman's game were a bit like that, but there's, there was already those moments where, you have to choose in a list of three things to say, oh, it's not either that, that or that, that another player is referring to. So felt out of place. When you attack somebody, sometimes they're like, 
so pissed that you attack them that you run into this bullet time battle, which is more or less a rhythm game. Like it's a music game because you need to, so statement appears on the screen. So they flash on the screen. So you need to attack them with X. No, you need to aim at them with X and then press, I forgot the other one, I think it's triangle, to aim at them and make them explode. So if their fire happens, you press X, 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 X on the, on the music rhythm. And of course, if you're good at it, uh, the rhythm increases. Uh, if you're not getting attacked by the other character, because uh, those statements I'm talking about on screen, they grow, grow, grow. And then once they grow, they attack you, they explode and attack you. So you have this kind of like faster rhythm, slower rhythm. Uh, even throughout the chapters, you need to reload your fucking gun, which I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is supposed to be an action adventure game. Like there should be like the the thrill of it is not playing a rhythm game, and it was so infuriating. Like I recall, I was in the bed when he was on the phone, and I was like literally yelling at my Vita console. <laughs> it's like what the fuck? I was like. And he's like, really asking me, like, what's happening? I thought you enjoyed this game. It's like, I do. The story is quite <laughs> nice. But the game mechanics are so infuriating that it throws me out of the game. I, I knew that, like, the, there were so many parts of the naming scheme of the game and the mechanics and everything that, like, were referring to bullets and, like, to fast-paced. But I didn't realize that the fast-paced meant you're going to have to do, like, Twitch minigames instead of, like, the actual pace of what is happening in the in the visual novel is fast right and recall in the past couple of in the past two weeks i have a couple of moments i was like oh i we really need to talk about this game at some point but yeah. I, I shouldn't talk to you and that was usually i pinged you literally when i was done doing the the, the class trial i was like what the fuck just happened <laughs> and it's so sad because at first i didn't know where the story was going to Right, because yeah. it starts with, like I said, you lose the only person you 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 met, and no, at first you start to realize, oh, like there's a connection to like so some of the characters that are dead, they we knowing each other, but they acted like they know they didn't know each other. So more or less, you go through uh, part of going through those trials is also going through uh, those points because, of course. Uh, the game would be quite sad if everybody decided to live a happy life and decided to stay at school. So uh, Monokuma is making sure that somebody commits a murder, right? Giving them motive. Mm. And more or less, uh, that's what all those chapters are about. Uh, lastly, at least class trial, when you go through a lot of those three uh, concepts that I just brought up, uh, it ends up on a good note. I think what was like saving class trial for me was the closing argument. So more or less you end up at the point where you more or less build what happened, right? Because again, it's not a real trial. It's kind of like just like talking and then exchanging, objecting to uh, like pulling out contradiction. Slowly but surely you more or less build the truth. Doesn't mean the truth is good, but in the end you're building what happened, what really happened. And your job is to recreate the manga of what happened so you do have those like manga panels and some elements are missing in them some drawings are missing and you have to choose and rebuild the story and so you're really like going through okay yes we still talk about this of course they give you they give you like you 
you press on the area and it say oh like what happened at that moment or what this uh, what the murderer used as to ki- as a weapon to kill the person so it gives you small uh hints about what you should do but recreating and having the main character that you enact in this game going through so you put all the events you say present as closing argument you go through that and more or less as kind of your final punch to the murderer and making them say like I figured out what happened, so stop lying and stop saying you don't know what happened. Like, here's what happened. Was a great way uh, to end Class Trial. And I kind of would say, A, it's my favorite part of Class Trial. And B, kind of wish that Phoenix Wright had something like that. Uh, maybe it wouldn't make too much sense into the kind of the court setup, right? Uh, the legal setup. But the way it was played out with the animation, the, like, I guess the, like, the beat the mangas and the, the drawings that was quite well executed at least something to save glass trial because uh trying to get through the mechanics was infuriating for me uh one point i realized i forgot to mention in my um character section which is a uh, mild spoilers spoilers of chapter two and i'm sorry because it is related to it is more or less in the same vein as your comment about steins gate you were talking about one of the character and ah and i have a bit of that because again some i think it's also that part was also related to me to me having a hard time to connect with some of the characters and chapter two really enlights that with what happens to shihiro so when she is introduced um she is more or less uh, referred as a woman. And throughout the games, there are literally no subtleties around the fact that uh, in the in the discussion that characters are having, that there's a lot of like, men's are stronger than women's type of discussions. Yeah. So, uh, and after the first few times, I was like, what the fuck is this shit, literally? Like, it's, that really <laughs> felt out of place. But again, I was like, you know, it's a Japanese game. Uh, even if it was like concept, uh, like it was like in the 2010s, still, uh, I would say I will let it go, but uh, I will grind my teeth and continue playing. Spike Chunsoft is not the greatest developer for that either, but. Okay, fair point. I, that's also something I didn't know. But, so again, I'm sorry for the spoiler. Again, I'll pull it again. But what you finally discover is one, uh, Shiro falls victim of somebody else, which that I'll leave uh, for you to play. Uh, the plot twist of that chapter is that she's not in fact a woman, she's a man. Or she's oh, a boy, I not a girl. Hearing about this, yeah. And the second the people the, the characters figured out, they're like, he did this, they they really misgendered them like as like it's in chapter two, and they do that throughout yeah. chapter seven, six. Because they again, I want to spoil too much, but uh, this character or something they do sticks throughout the rest of the game. Mm. And it is more or less the, the way they, they shrug it off, let's put it in quote, is the fact that because he, he always felt that uh, he was weak as a boy growing up, that's uh, what they did to um, uh, to kind of like conceal or like kind of the... They always felt like a like a. I'm surprised they they they. It's kind of into that that, but they would be kind of like feel like a feminine boy and like all not like masculine enough and all the like stupid like concept around that. 
And that to me, I was like, when that happened, I was like, okay, like, what the fuck just happened? That's literally, that, that, that was, again, I know we discussed in previous episodes about sometimes the subtleties of Japanese culture, but me playing this game in 2020 was like, no, 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 that's just uber wrong. And every time they were bringing this character up and they were misgendering them again, I was like, oh. So the comparison I'll make to Steins Gate, and again, like this is flawed because I haven't played Django and Rumpa and you haven't played Steins Gate. So we're just like throwing concepts randomly at each other. Yes. <laughs> but uh, at least in Steins Gate, the problematic character in question, or rather the character that is mistreated for being an otokonoko, which is basically more or less what you're explaining, which is like... Uh, you consider yourself male, but you have an outward-facing feminine appearance, which is, like, not really something, like, it, some people would say it's basically cross-dressing, except it's a little bit further than that. Uh, but again, it's, like, it's a very nuanced thing that is incredibly hard to explain, and also it's not something you really see much of here, that it's very hard to find an analog for that when talking to Western people about it. And so, like, at least Luca, which is the character in Steins Gate, they have the opportunity to define themselves. And, like, th that's what, like, makes it less problematic in my eyes, is that, well, the character spoke for themselves now. Un under Behind the scenes, we know, like, this is a fictional character that is written by right. people, so are they really the, the character doesn't really exist so but that's another problem but at least in that case they are very clear about what they feel they are and my like dumb white guy westerner perspective is if someone tells you they identify as x i'm willing to accept that and i don't care if it's something that feels foreign to me because like trans people in general were a foreign concept to a lot of people a couple of years ago right so it's like for that character, I feel for that character because they are mistreated in that whole environment. Whereas, like, I feel a lot of the white guy responses to Luca's character is, or <laughs> white guy trans ally perspectives on the thing is, oh, well, Luca's a trans woman. And I'm like, well, that's not really what they said. Like, that's not how they identify. So I disagree with the fact that Luca is a trans woman. But now, like, am I being an asshole for reinforcing this thing that only exists in Japan? Or am I being an asshole because I'm taking this character for their word? It's like, it's really complicated debate that only exists because this otokonoko concept exists in Japan and we don't have it. And I think this is the same thing like you're explaining here, except now instead of the character saying that for themselves all of the other characters are saying, oh, well, that's what happened, blah, blah, blah. And, like, and that's that is exactly like... it. And that's why I like you explaining that today uh, more than in the past episode because I feel that's the key difference here is that... it's You strip the character of all of their agency over their identity and now you're just like, well, I don't think you guys are trustworthy sources, sorry. Yeah, and the only thing that the story itself that is not, like, kind of retold by, like, that, like this kind of, like, I identify, I identify as female because culture says females are weak and I'm weak so I should identify as female is more or less what the story says and this is re-emphasized throughout the story too. Some of the moments like oh yeah I need to do the like I am the 
I am the, I think, uh, a lot, the person that does that a lot is Aoi, which is the swimming pro. And she's like, like, she's super healthy, super fit. She's always at the gym in the school to train with Sakura, the martial art. And then they're like, Oh, go do that, man, because you're stronger than me. I'm like, what the fuck? Literally. <laughs> and it's the same thing for uh, Shiro. So again, um, what I'm saying is be careful because there's a bit of that throughout the game. So be aware. Uh, a bit every time we mention that on podcast is be aware form your own uh, uh I was about to say opinion but just like form your own uh, interpretation of what the story tells you but be at the same time be careful because like for some people it can be uh, affecting and be like they really would want to stop the game at this point so you yeah. are uh, warned but again uh, that to me was a quite was quite weird and sad to see uh yeah i was sorry that it felt a bit out of place because i wanted to put that in the character but i kind of skipped that part in my notes so i really wanted to make it so yeah that's the really big spoiler i wanted to talk today for an obvious reason i think at this point so let's jump into a conclusion i felt throughout this game that in the end the story was a bit slow uh it was hard to learn who I like as uh, who I like in the characters. So I felt that after chapter two, even if I said that chapter two is a bit weird too, that around chapter two the game starts to say like, that's where the excuse me that's where the game starts to tell you hey something is weird here. Like even if you assume that uh, the killing game is normal, like there's something like hidden like this game that is you're being forced to play. I'd something more about this school and about you and about your schoolmates. And that's where I really picked up uh, a lot of my uh, willingness to continue playing this game. Of course, there was moments in, in, the, in class trial that I really wanted to throw my video out of the, out of the window. Uh, mainly because of those uh, game mechanics about the truth bullet. Like literally typing an objection button or even having something as gimmicky as using the microphone saying objection uh was way better than just what was there and which brings me to my recommendation i think overall the storyline is good and is good enough for you to play danganronpa trigger happy havoc the main problem i have with it is i was expecting to finish this game when I started this game, not knowing anything, I was expecting to be like, you know what? I'll finish this game and I want to go play the second game. Like I done with any P, uh, Phoenix, right? Especially the first few ones, because there was, I was a lot, I had a lot to catch up. I was finishing the game. I was like, Oh my goodness. I need to play version two. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm a teenager. I need to buy version two. <laughs> so that was that. Or I was at the end of the game. I was like, Oh, I want another game or I should really play it again. Like, and that was not there for me. And that was kind of the disappointment for me in this game is there was a lot of, I, w- I wouldn't even say small paper cups. There was a lot of paper cuts uh, re- uh, regarding the game mechanics that to me, the aspect of it being a nonstop or like kind of like fast paced debate setting didn't help. I even slowed that down. And that it was kind of creating a, fin- a fix sentiment of fastness fastestness around it which more to say 
yeah, I think if you like this genre of game as I do, you should play it. If you are more, uh, more akin to like also social sims, because there's a speck of that. But as I mentioned, there's in the end you get skills. Skills didn't help me to have like they they should improve some of the game mechanics I mentioned, like like uh, statements are easier to aim. But I'm like, uh, I use the skills and nothing change. Uh, <laughs> when the game finishes, there's a school mode that you that can be used to uh, more or less max out uh, your SPs and your skills with all the characters and know some of the small caveats that you learn while talking to them. I was like, and I'm not going through it again. Literally, I was like, uh, not first of all, I'm not really big into like social dating sims. Wait, is it like a new game plus where you play through the same story again, or is it just like you get skills that never get used because there's no trials anymore? <laughs> I have to look. I don't. I didn't see a new game. A new game plus. I there's something called. Well, like, it's like I I just don't understand what the skills are useful for if you just like keep playing the school mode yeah, afterwards and there's no more story. Let me look because I, I started and it was literally starting the same like dialogues and I was like uh, why the F those dialogues are starting again? Oh, so then it probably is like a kind of new game plus thing. I think it is. That would make sense. Yeah, it would. Uh, okay, so uh, my notes quickly didn't have that note but there's this uh, school mode and it seems it, I've really... I went uh, look quickly at the game fact, and it was really talking about like copying. Like you get all the characters, so you can because uh, some of them they die early in the game, so you really not, kind of cannot max them out. So I think the games will allow you to max them out. So I'm not sure you would redo. So strange. Yeah, I'm not sure you would redo the uh, the trials because that will more or less transform it into a a, sim- a social simulator. But that was like that's useless to me. Like. If you enjoy those games, like I'm happy. Uh, you might like the uh, the drawing. The also it's kind of a 2D effect, the 2D, uh, 2D, 3D. You might like that and spend more time. But to me, I was like, this game is just good-ish in my book. And I'm sorry for all the fans. And again, maybe Yannick, what I'm saying, will say like, maybe you should not play it. And I hope you, you do spend the time to play that first one. But for sure, for me, I'm sure I'll play the second game because as the last three episodes are saying is I'm in a big video games move these days, but for sure right now uh, I'm happy that I got uh, Time Hollow because I'll be playing that. I might also revisit some of my Animal Crossing because I left Animal Crossing for the last two weeks, but I might go through some of the those games and I know like uh, like I said, uh, The Last of Us is coming soon, Part Two. So it feels to me that Danganronpa V2 m- might. Uh, be lower on the priority list from now on because of that. What I will say is that one of my friends who does the uh, Hinge Problems podcast uh, recorded an episode about Danganronpa years ago that I listened to that spoiled some of the same things you spoiled uh, because I remembered them now. Uh, (laughs) And I remember that he had a similar feeling where he finished Danganronpa 1 and he was like, I don't really think I want to play 2. And then he played 2 and he was like, oh, this made me reconsider everything I thought about Rodagang <laughs> Rumpa 1. So I don't know if you'll have a similar epiphany in the eventuality if you ever play Rumpa 2. Um, but I have heard that from, I think, at least two other people. That's good to know. Uh, the other thing too, though, is since I played Phoenix Wright a while back, right now, following this game, I want to 
replay one of those games just to make sure that I'm not idolizing too much Phoenix Wright. So, so you're doing my thing. That's my thing. <laughs> right. But again, it made me think. But I do recall every time I was playing, playing those games, I recall finishing the game and being like, literally, wow, this game was great. I literally cried at the end of Phoenix Wright 3 because I was sad that we finished. I finished the original trilogy and that afterwards I was stuck with fucking Apollo Justice bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I would tend to agree that Apollo Justice, the game is good, but not great. Uh, the story, but the story, in the end, the storyline is great. The, uh, uh, the storyline is a bit weird. You need to go out of like, hey, I love Phoenix Wright and then go into that mindset, which I agreed was hard at first. Uh, I, I think I only remember like one character from uh, Apollo Justice, whereas a lot of the other characters are far more iconic. Right. And especially like when you finish like like three, I think was the best, uh, was my favorite anyway. And like, I was just like, oh no, this can't be over. But at the same time, like if I look at four, five, six, I'm like, yeah, probably would have been a good thing just to end it there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um... And yeah, the again, the, I don't want to transform this episode into the Phoenix Wright episode, but uh, four, it's trying trying to take a left turn, uh, and then in five, which I restarted today, I didn't restart the game. I was just like start the game, and I kind of recall it right, and I look at the opening like screen or the the being scene, excuse me. I was like, yeah, I played that game. At least I played that first chapter. <laughs> so yeah, I am tempted to maybe start it again and realize that I've played it again. So well, I guess I'll put it as a beaten in uh, in my backlockery. But uh, yeah, so maybe that's what will happen. And I could, I ended this and today I was thinking it's like, okay, I somewhat enjoyed the game. There was frustrating parts. I do feel in the end it was a okay to good game in my scale so yeah. like it's a it's a good three point three star out of five it's a good three but again that's it's not, good for a spike chunsoft <laughs> that that i didn't know and i guess i just <laughs> learned yeah um yeah it, it sounds to me like what you're describing about like the social sim aspect of it and i i mentioned this when we were talking about it on the previous episode is like there's a lot of aesthetic overlap between like what you see from Persona 345 and uh, what you see in the art style that's presented with Rumpa, and like hearing about the thing what you were talking about with the closing arguments where that is like a manga aesthetic thing it sort of makes sense because there's this kind of CMYK motif in the box art and everything that I had never made the connection between the two but that makes sense the blood is pink yeah so although that might just be like Nowadays, I think you get an M rating if blood is red. Like, I think that's automatic now. But I think it's M. Is it M? Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't even know where you would see that on the box, probably. uh, But I don't have the box. I bought it online, so... Give me a second. So, yeah, I don't know. Do I... Wait a second. I have the page open. Do they say the rating on the wiki page? I would be shocked if it wasn't there. At least it's on the sidebar. I guess it's one of those moments where we uh, Google the things. It is M for mature, so okay. It's not because the, it's not because of the blood. No, no, um, but, uh, but it is. It they didn't mention. I think was was that in Wikipedia? Oh well, I'm not seeing it. But uh, I just went to the Danganronpa official site and it said M. Yeah, but uh, they do. Yes, exactly. It's in the Wikipedia page. They do say that the game used pop art and a bright and colorful style, such as using bright pink colored blood as a way to contrast the dark subject matter of murder. 
So it, it is a design style, a design yeah, decision. Yeah. That's why I meant it's not because they wanted to uh, skip something on like maybe like all those like M ratings, all the fun stuff. It, it felt that it was kind of a a design decision. Yeah, but I think it's it's really interesting because uh, Unreal Engine Five uh, demos came out recently, and that sort of fueled my thing to say like a lot of the most iconic visuals in video games in recent years have been like Persona Five is technically a PS3 game. Like mm-hmm. we think of it as a PS4 game because it came out so late in the PS3's life, but it was a dual release. It came out on both, well, at least in Japan, um, and like. I don't think Persona 5 would gain anything from the incredible capabilities of Unreal Engine 5 uh, because so much of what makes its graphics iconic are good art direction. Uh, and like th- that's been on my head a lot recently. So seeing like the overlap between like the pop art style in Danganronpa and like the general aesthetic of how Persona has been going for the last... Oh, fuck, it's already 15 years or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it... it it's really interesting to see like both of these games have social sims with generally quite liked characters. Like there's a lot of Danganronpa cosplay and all of that stuff that you still see nowadays. Like I see a lot of overlap between fans of the two as well. So I think like if you're more into the character storylines and social link stuff in persona games, and you're looking for more of that with less of the hundred hour RPG elements, like this sounds like something that would be quite interesting to you. Um, I'm, more on the RPG end of things, but preferably less than 100 hours these days. Uh, so I don't think this is necessarily as important for me to play as I thought it would, just judging by... Like, I think I'm not as much of a purist as you. Like, I think mini games and all of that stuff are fine if they're uh, appropriate. I don't necessarily think that what you said is appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I wouldn't call myself a purist for this, but again, what I'm saying here is, is I feel that some of the souls could be tasteful if it fit with the storyline and it did not here. And to go back to your comparison of like maybe this game be more like, oh, you like PSN 4, but you want to do some social skills plus some adventure plus story, but you don't want to spend 35 hours, like 150 hours, whatever, you can go that. I do feel that if you're more of the type where you want to have an end full of characters and you want to quickly connect to them and go through their uh, journey with their through a journey with them, I feel that uh, Phoenix Wright is a bit more on that side. It's like you have Phoenix Wright himself, um, Mia, because I don't want to mix her with her sister Maya. Or Mia Maya? No, it's Mia Maya. I'm referring to. See, I'm mixing it up already. And the goofy police officer, and some, and then after that, it goes quickly at uh, the an uh, edge, Malageworth, which is the persecutor, and then it goes quickly to all the other bad people or like like uh, victims or stuff. Not victims because they're dead, but uh, uh, witnesses. Witnesses. That's the word I was looking for earlier too. Da-da-da. Thank you. So all the witnesses that comes to cr- to be cross examined, uh, and those are colorful, but they are more like like helping those four main characters to go through what's happening in that story. And I feel that again, that's is to me a bit closer to what The Last of Us is, what uh, Uncharted is, is a handful of characters that you fall in love with quite easily, or quite fast in the story and you go through their story with them 
which that I feel here was a bit missing or came not missing came later and that's mm. risky for me because I could just be like meh no I'll just like uh, I don't I'm not feeling anything uh, not sure I like this game I'll just shut it off and then never play it again at least I motivated myself and the story picked it up so that and you start to see quickly that some of the characters are more like uh, principal characters and some of them are more secondary to the story so then you end up uh, at the chapter 5 and 6 where a lot of, happen- all of it happened with the same people around you. And that will be it for my review of uh, Dangarapa Trigger Happy Havoc as a personal... Uh, that's a personal... As a Persona fan. Wow! <laughs> Great with uh, you. Yes, all of the Persona games you've beaten. Yes, oh yes. <laughs> Maybe as a non-fan of... No, but as a Phoenix Wright fan. Awesome. Uh, so if you want to find out more about uh, this game and see links to various things, including the follow-up at the start of the show, uh, you can go find it at limitlesspossibility.net slash 136. You can also find the entire back catalog of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. The show is on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Sakarina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Nico Olivier at Luconoche. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.